That'll fly. (laughs) (laughs) Lick your thumb and hold it up to the wind. Yep, we're good. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to this gig known as the RC Roundtable. I'm Fizz Walker, and joining me is the three-dimensional Lee Ray. Hello. <laughs> and the four-dimensional Terry Dunn. Ooh, what's my fourth dimension? Is it time? Yes, okay. it's a temporal dimension. Oh, boy. You I don't are, know if I can live up to that. You are unstuck in time. <laughs> or you're an old timer no you you like things that are old in time sort of hmm. kind of well the most right. recent uh time traveling show that i've watched is outlander and if that's what i can look forward to i don't think i want to be a time traveler i never saw that so i have no reference for that one. Oh, it's uh it's a good show hmm. and uh okay. it's it's adult themed for sure <laughs> i never was big but, into time travel stuff uh, it's okay but i think sometimes overused i was a little disappointed in the last avengers movie when they did the time travel thing to reset everything it's like oh uh. <laughs> you know if i actually thing. did have that ability i would waste it i'd go like to 1987 and buy up all the old kyosho planes that were in the tower catalog <laughs> now we're talking yeah my favorite back in time power is Superman spinning the earth backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that did uh, well. It's a cartoon, so I guess it's not supposed to make I, any sense. I would just like to see someone who, you know, studies the earth itself, you know, write a thesis paper on why Superman destroyed the earth by doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially how fast it slowed down, and everybody would be mush <laughs> on, d- on different continents. Okay, we are veering far off track, and we are 30 seconds into this thing. So, well, that's uh, how we roll. All right. Captain, grab the wheel. Well, I think we were told people wanted more humor, so. Yeah. Squirrel. What? <laughs> we were told that? We're too dry? Uh, <laughs> we're too dry. We're too dry. Yes. How oh, dry I am. <laughs> so, so I guess no more NPR openings then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take us away, Fitz. Let's get back on track. Okay. Well, hey, new products. I think we haven't really talked about new product in a while, have we? Well, you know what? The three of us haven't been together in a while. Oh, that's right. We're all... little, you had a cameo appearance in the last live show. Yeah. One of my right, yeah. dial-up line there. It's been a couple twofers. Yeah, so I guess we're all together normally again. It's been, we got the band back together. Yep. Yeah, Yay. you're right. It has been like three or four shows that we've been all kind of scattered, scattershot. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Whatever. We all kind of just blur into the past. Yeah, we fall back into place. Well, now that we're back to normal, let's talk about normal things. Such as Horizon has a new jet. And my, what big wheels this jet has. <laughs> Tundra jet. <laughs> Tundra jet. Well, apparently there's a reason. This is the Habu STS. 
I guess that doesn't mean it's supersonic transport system. They're calling this a trainer jet. Okay. Smart jet, ready to fly. It looks like they have two packages ready to fly and uh, a, um, what do you call it? Uh, not bite and fly. Uh, plug and play. That's it. So this kind of popped up. When I saw that, I saw just the title first. I said, oh, oh new Habu, huh? I wonder if it's a nice fiberglass dealy with just maybe a little smaller or something. And like, wrong direction. Like, <laughs> wrong direction. They said, no, 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 no. We want somebody, we want noobs to fly these things. So they're touting it as a, uh, a, a literally a beginner's jet, not just a like your first jet, like your first plane ever kind of jet. Uh, so looking at it's a 70 millimeter EDF. What's the batteries? I think it's a 4S, right? No, I think they said 3 or 4S. Yeah, here it is. They're actually talking a 3S, 4000. And it's got, of course, all the safe and AS3Xs. Uh, one package even includes a transmitter and um, I think even a little simulator is that is that right a little um, so so I guess being 3s you're not gonna go very fast with it which is the whole point of being a trainer okay here it is it's 3 and 4s compatible so you can do 3s uh, until you know what you're doing and then pop up to 4s for a little more speed um, so yeah, I'm seeing here that it gives you the online version of Real Flight or a, a code to download Real Flight. Yeah, some sort of edition. Yeah. Um, Real Flight Light or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, telemetry too, I guess. It's yeah, a oh, telemetry okay. receiver. Uh, I can't comment yet. So yeah, I'll wait till you're done describing it. But I have comments for all these things you're saying. Okay. Or I should say, I have opinions about all. These yeah, things oh, we saying. all have opinions. But no, just keep. Keep going down the list. All right, let's go down the list here. Uh, it's based on high-performance Habu EDF series of planes. It's got a panic recovery mode. Push the button. Prevents loss of control and crashes. Yeah, well, it's yeah. all your basic safe stuff. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's got a something called a landing assist sensor. Well, it says optional, but I think it includes it, but it's optional that you put it, it you install it. Uh, so supposedly it can help you, it'll, I don't know if this is an auto land or some sort of landing augmentation device, but. Yeah, it'll become it obvious that I haven't read the website on this yet, but the stuff you're talking about sounds like the feature that they had on their GPS equipped safe planes, where it would remember the, the direction and location where it took off from and consider that the runway. And then you could just hold down the recovery button and it would come and land by itself pretty close to that location. I wonder if this is something like that. That's an interesting question. No, I don't see anything on here that says anything about a GPS. Okay, that's good. But Well, I'm going to interject. I saw that. I think that's tied into safe. And I think it's a sensor that's determining how fast you're coming into the ground and it's applying elevator. That's my that's my thought. So it's like an altitude sensor. Uh, no, I think it's a. Well, yes, but I think it's just uh, sensing the ground deflection, not like knowing your exact altitude. I don't think it's testing your altitude before you take off. I think it's it's kind of like a, a sonar. I think or radar. Pretty close to that. There's actually down the page it actually talks about it a little bit more. Uh, 
And I think Lee is touching on what it does. It says, uh, provides automatic flare control to help inexperienced pilots grease landings by minimizing or eliminating bouncing. Works over most surfaces, but optimal over grass. So it must do something with the elevator. It says automatic flare, which you you need the elevator to flare, right? As far as I know. Maybe we'll touch the throttle. So again, I think it's determining how fast you're coming in. And it's automatically deflecting the elevator up and down to get you to zero, basically. Ah, yeah. With tires like that, who needs to flare? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I I did get to jump in when Fitz was laughing about the tires. But the first thing I thought when I saw those tires and the picture came up was the the movie uh, Amazing, the TV show Amazing Uh, Stories. Oh, yeah. The B-17. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And the guy drew those big yellow tires and like one of them had a patch in it. Yeah, it's like, I want to I take those tires off and do that to this jet. You should Photoshop it. <laughs> Run okay, with it. I, I will do that for the podcast, yes. Yeah. But, you know, yes, I, saw, are... I saw that episode when it first aired as a kid. I used to watch that series because I really liked oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I thought, what I thought was a cool episode ended with a big WTF. Like, the what? <laughs> <laughs> he drew heels? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Now, you know, just so we can touch on this and add it to the list, there is a pretty cool segment in the video, if you guys watch it, where the safe allows you to launch it and you take the gear off. You take you can take the gears off and he discus launched the jet and had the transmitter just laying down on the ground and it took off. Did you see oh, that? Cool. No, I didn't see that. Oh, I didn't have a chance see, to launch. That was like one of those, oh, that's pretty cool. But I'll, I'll tell you, it was like a love-hate uh, kind of idea or concept to that because I don't like the idea of teaching someone for their, you can fly a jet, jet uh, that you can basically just chunk it in the air and it flies because I get it gets to that who's in control, who's the pilot in command. And yes, it's neat. And I think that's, you know, if you are trained or skilled pilot, having that ability to do that for fun is good. But I certainly wouldn't want to see someone who's never flown a jet before pick it up and throw it with the safe switch on and then hope they can continue flying. But I will say that was neat how he did it. it was, it's, it's a, I don't know what timestamp it is in the video, but uh, check out the whole thing. It's it's about, what, five minutes long? No, that, that goes to what we had talked about before where hand-launching planes, a safe mode, can be an asset. For anybody, yeah. yeah for anybody, yeah. Not just beginners. For bad launches. Yeah. <laughs> Lee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get to that. <laughs> A little foreshadowing there, folks. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to come in and be the grumpy old guy. I, oh. <laughs> I, I, I don't like this at a fundamental level. And oh, man. I think. It, How do you really feel? It goes back to what I think what you were saying, Lee, that. I don't want to poo-poo the technology. I think this stuff is really cool and always thought safe was. But I've said this a hundred times when we talk about these safe planes. There's no shortcut in learning to fly. And something like this, you're just trading technology for time spent practicing with a simpler airplane. But you still have to learn how this technology works to be able to operate this model. So it... You're not just going to step in there with zero experience and expect success. And if my experience with teaching people is in the indication, safe is not a, a complete safety net. Sure, it's going to keep the wings level and it's going to keep the nose from pointing into the ground, but it's going to do that all the way to the horizon. 
And with a jet like this, where it's going to be going yeah, faster than other Haboos, excuse me, slower than other Haboos, but faster than your average trainer, somebody who hasn't flown before and is trying to think about which way to move the sticks to make it turn, this thing might be a dot in the sky before they figure it out. And, <laughs> and then... And I want to add to that, you know, it's it's great when we watch these videos uh, of them demoing this jet taking place at a big flying field. But I've seen several videos where people are flying in a parking lot with poles and buildings and mm, trees right. and, and houses, maybe, you know. <laughs> yeah, if, if this no is encouraging people, be... oh, go ahead. No, you should not be flying this Habu in that environment. Well, yeah, the selling point is that you can teach yourself to fly with this. And, you know, typically beginners aren't necessarily going to choose the best location for that. So, yeah, I've taught people with the safe equipped um, apprentice, which is a great training airplane. But I've had that experience of it flying straight and level. And while the student is thinking about what they need to do next, that thing got small at half throttle. So, I mean, this is just going to cut that thinking time to not much. Now, the simulator, that's a good addition, and I think maybe you should have to log X number of hours in the simulator or however many landings before. <laughs> you've, you've achieved flying. Yeah. you got to unlock the plane by flying in a simulator. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> you do three successful takeoff and landings on a simulator before it unlocks the ability for you to fly the actual plane. That almost sounds like, yeah. a, great, that almost sounds like a great skit. you got a retina scan to make sure nobody cheats. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate the technology and I understand why they're trying to do it. This is like that P-51 trainer that they had several years ago because everybody wants to start out with a P-51 and a, and a jet. So I understand the target audience for this, but I don't know. Maybe I'll think differently when I see one in action. And I've seen Chris Wolf's video. I need to watch Horizon's video. But nothing I've seen yet um, convinces me that it's a good idea. All right. So while I think... As an absolute beginner, it may be a stretch for something like this. But I do think with an instructor, you probably could do okay with learning on something like this. If it's a, if you took the right approach, uh, with it. And I certainly think that as maybe if you've already flown an apprentice and this was your second plane, it probably wouldn't be such a bad idea. If you already kind of knew what you were doing with a trainer plane and you, Resist the urge to put a 4S in it. You started with it. You just kept with the 3S and and such. Well, and is the that how they're were... marketing it? Um, Are they saying zero time, hey, come fly me? Uh, well, right here it says, it's the only jet new pilots can succeed with as their first RC plane. Hmm. Okay. So I think probably as a first jet for somebody who's flown RC planes, it's probably actually a fantastic model, probably really good. As a very first model ever, yeah, I'm not going to say no. I would say possibly with some caveats. But again, I haven't flown it either, so we're talking in a vacuum. Uh, I'd like to try, I'd like to, you know, seeing what makes a good trainer, does the jet simulate, the general flight characteristics of a good trainer plane, regardless of whether it's a jet or prop. And I think a good instructor could probably teach you to fly on one of these things. Have either of you flown the multiplex twister? Yeah, I've got one. No. What are your thoughts on someone who's never flown an EDF and getting their hands on that? 
Um, I mean, that's pretty old technology, but it's it's docile as EDFs go and probably pretty underpowered by today's standards. What brings that up? Because it, looking at it, I, I just remembered that jet and it was always kind of, it, although they don't advertise it here on the website I'm looking at as a beginner EDF, but you know, if you've flown an Easy Star, if you've you know flown the Easy Glider, if you've had a, a Twin Star, you know that that uh, Elipore is very durable, and I always thought the Twister would be a pretty good EDF to get into. It's the same relative size, seventy millimeter, and is that was that a three S or four S, Terry? From the factory, it was three S, but it's fairly simple to do a four S mod on it. Okay, and there's obviously no stabilization. I can't recall if I've ever seen someone fly it, but it, there are probably other EDFs out there that are maybe a little bit larger wingspan. And boy, I, I'm going to go into two right now that I own, but the Kyosho T33 was just a fun, gentle plane to fly. You know, can't wait to get it back in the air. But then I oh, also have... It had to haul around three pounds of batteries on <laughs> 100 watts. <laughs> no, yeah, but not the one I'm flying right now. So I'm just saying... It flies nice and gentle. It's such a long wingspan. It doesn't want to roll or snap. Nothing like this. So, um, you know, to me, the hobby would probably be a little quicker and the twister would be a little slower. So something, it, this is just coming out of my head. I think the Habu, which what Fitz touched upon, is probably for someone a little bit more advanced. I don't know if I'd make it a beginner or get into the flying, get into the RC hobby by flying this jet. But if they had built something with a little larger wingspan, like the twister, I, I think that would have been my kind of entry-level aircraft slash EDF. Well, I'm curious if this version has a different wing. It, it, do, it looks like it does. You see the leading edge extensions on the outer edge of the wings? Yeah, and just maybe I've planted the seed and I'm imagining things now, but it seems like the wing is maybe a little bigger than the original Happy. Yeah, I was going to say, don't just go by wingspan, it's wing area, right? So yeah. this, this looks like it has a fairly large wing for the size of the plane. As far as wing okay. area. Yeah. All right. So, so, you know, maybe they've tweaked things a little bit more. But. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little open, more, more open-minded more open on it. Simply because I, I have trained people on oddball planes before. So it can be done. But, you know, sometimes it's a little longer. I mean, you could train somebody to fl- to learn to fly on, you know, say a, a P-47 or something. But it's going to take longer right. for them to get the hang of it. Well, yeah, and I could buy into that. If they're saying this is your first airplane, if you've got somebody there to help you and show you the ropes, sure, I'll buy it. But if they're saying you don't need help, all you need is this fancy technology and some time on the simulator and you're good to go, that's a harder sell for me. Yeah, I tend to agree, and I, I always recommend people seek help when they, for their first plane. Don't try it up by yourself unless you're you just, really, really, really determined <laughs> You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I mean, I did it, but I went through a lot of planes. My planes were more glue than planes after a while, but I was just, because I'm hard-headed. But, right. But normal people go seek the local club and get help, and that make life a lot easier. Yep. Well, speaking hard cells, did you happen to see the enclosed charger that comes with the uh, ready-to-fly? No. Is that a little square thing? The, the little square thing powered by a USB cord? What? Oh, wow. That's for the flight battery? Mm-hmm. For 4,000? Mm-hmm. How many days does it take to charge? <laughs> I think the comment was, it does take a little longer to charge. 
in the video. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, USB is good for what, about two amps? And it's the four, so you're talking yeah, two hours. Yeah, five volts, but you got to bump up the voltage, so you're going to lose amps. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's not five volts. You're going to be half that. Ten volts, twelve volts. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's almost an overnight charge. Oh, boy. I don't so, want that yeah. thing next to my computer. Ditch, ditch, ditch the charger if you're going to get this. And uh, I think that's in, only in the ready-to-fly package. Now that uh, well, that is interesting that they they only have a ready to fly with transmitter or a plug and play with no receiver. There is no bind and fly version. Oh, that is interesting. At okay. least not yet. I didn't see one. There's only two. So that hmm. is fascinating, Captain. <laughs> All right. Well, that's interesting. I mean, it's Horizon kind of trying to think outside the box. We'll time will tell to see whether how successful this is or not. But. Uh, Hopefully one day we'll get to see one, get to try one, and we can decide for ourselves. Well, right, so I, I'm sorry. Um, I just brought up the page for the what I assume is the charger. The it's a single channel 50 watt charger. So it says it can charge it up to five amps. Oh, that's really good. I don't know how many cells it'll do. So what is a yeah. a three cell is 12 volts, and as you're talking 50 watts. So okay, that's. That's four amps anyway. If it Fifty can watts true divided 50. by twelve volts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if if it can hold those numbers, that's not so bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty then. I'm sorry, Lee. I didn't mean to interrupt you. What do you got? Well, I don't know if this is due to the changes in their website, but we just mentioned about the blind, the bind and fly, and you know, plug and play. But now, when you go to select this aircraft. You have pull-down options on what you want to add to your order. So they may not have a bind-and-fly option. They, you, may, you may just get the kit and you have to add all the features to it. So they may not, do you see what I'm saying? They may just have to make you use the pull-down menu to select the other parts you want on it. Huh, a la carte? A la carte. Did you see that, Terry? No. Okay, well, if you I go mean, to the... I hear you. I just haven't examined that yet. Well, I just wonder if bind and fly will be out. And it'll, and it'll sell as a PNP, and then you go down to the menu and you you know select things you want to add to your airplane. Okay. Yeah, I see. There's pull downs for a battery, charger, receiver, transmitter. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So and, let me roll back everything I said about the charger. I was looking at the upgrade charger. The included charger is 20 watts. So that's less than two amps if it's you know, hundred percent efficient. Okay. So yeah, you're talking at least two hours. And if you're going to spend 400 bucks <laughs> on that airplane, yes, yeah. spend a little more. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Now with what you were talking about, Lee, is that an option? Can you omit the, the bottom line charger and upgrade to the next line in that package? Oh, I'm sorry. What I meant to say was for a, bind and fly there's the rtf which is okay. the 499 and then the other one is has the select options to upgrade so the, uh, like, yes. Like, sure. so, so yes so you can add but you can't swap out correct Got yeah it. there's a okay. selection to upgrade the charger on ready to fly and there's as, oh, a, is there? as i'm looking there's two two options two smart two different types of smart chargers yeah you're you're making it bind and fly by selecting the a la carte and it could be there a little method of 
it changed. And I don't know. I'm making an assumption here because this is how I'm seeing this this plane, which is you know not soon to be released. So it could be things we're going to see in the future. But it could be their way of getting you to do the a la carte because it's right there before you hit buy. Like, you know, to get to the buy it now, you have to go through upgrade technology, upgrade battery, upgrade charger. <laughs> upgrade. <laughs> okay. So now fits. You think you're going to get one of these in your hand? I don't know. I'm kind of thinking it would be nice to actually just to just to really see, you know, just get an opinion of his flight qualities as in the context of a trainer jet. Right. Well, for a true test, you'd have to go nab somebody off the street and say, "Here, kid, fly this." Yeah, it's probably not going to end well. But for any plane for, yeah the, i would be interested to see because i tend to be very conservative with uh, my outlook on training and things like that mm. but i do find myself surprised from time to time by how quickly some students pick things up oh yeah sure they can uh yeah kids figure it real quick i think my own painful learning curve still sticks with me and i you know i transfer that onto other people when it mm. doesn't necessarily apply now i don't know if they you can say that they claim that this is for extreme newbies, know-nothings, I think, is as a trainer-type plane. Instead of getting an apprentice, you would you could get this if you wanted something a little sleeker. But you still have to go through using an instructor or spending a lot of time on a flight simulator or whatever before you start to fly this. Yeah. And I, I, right, well, I'm reading between the lines with the words. They're, they're saying the only jet... For their first RC plane. Yeah, well. So, uh, I mean, it doesn't say. Get yeah, there's some marketing but, going on, of course. Yeah, yeah. maybe. But. All right. So where do we stand with this? Lee? Are you um, buying it? And yeah. I don't mean physically buying it. I mean, are, are you. <laughs> <laughs> Accepting it as a plane. That's are you drinking the their Kool-Aid? Uh, I mean, I. I like seeing the new technology come out. I did enjoy him chucking that glider and just looking away from the camera. <laughs> just like, no, 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 I just threw my jet. You know, so it's it's nice to see that. And uh, to back up just a little bit with something that Fitz and I did the other day. Fitz let me fly his P-51. And, you know, we played with the safe and it flies really well with safe on, you know, it's nice and stable. So there are good things about having safe. But I think my issue, I think what we were talking about from the start was, you know, it says it right here. Uh, learn to fly edf you know <laughs> so yeah oh we are old geezers aren't we <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry or no it says you can fly a jet <laughs> uh but i you know it, it is what it is so we haboos have been wonderful kits uh i've got a mighty uh, the little umx haboo oh, yeah? i love it it flies awesome you know so I can't uh, can't dissuade people from getting the EDF, and if you've got that cash, then more power to you. Yeah. All right. We've been talking about this thing for half an hour now. Good really? Night. Mission accomplished, Horizon Hobby. <laughs> Any press is good press, as they say. Uh, yeah. Publicity. <laughs> no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah, no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we hammered this into the ground. Any last thoughts before we move on? I want to see one in person and I, I'm staying skeptical. Panda is skeptical until he <laughs> sees otherwise. 
I'll put myself as cautiously optimistic. That's a better way to put it, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, while I put other things away, let's uh, take a break. We'll be right back. So I, we closed out the news section. We forgot one other little tidy bit of news that popped up. And Terry, you'll be happy to know that Hobby King owes a cool, what is it, $2.5 million? Something along those 2. lines? 2.8. $2.8 million to, I guess, the U.S. government for violating FCC regulations. Do you have any details on that? I don't have all the details. I've only read some of the summary articles that are out there, but it's not really a new topic because the FCC dinged Hobby King a few years ago, maybe it was three years ago, because they were selling some FPV transmitters that were capable of transmitting outside of the designated amateur bands. Hmm. And if you do that, you have to get them FCC certified. And they didn't. So I don't know the details, but basically the FCC said, hey, we know what's going on. Um, you need to talk to us. We need to work this out. And I guess Hobby King just ignored them. And so now they came back and said, okay, now we're going to fine you $2.8 million. Damn. Because this sounds familiar because I remember this happening sometime. In fact, I think they took some stuff off the market at the time. And so when this came up, I was really perplexed. I thought, I thought they already had settled that or had that issue. But like you said, apparently they ignored or didn't do what they were supposed to do. And now they got slapped with this pretty significant fine. Yeah. And apparently if they decide to ignore this, then it gets bumped up to the, whatever authority lets Hobby King do business in the U.S. So. It's not a small mm. issue. No. And I assume $2.8 million is a lot of money for Hobby King. So. I don't think yeah, so. I, yeah. I, I, um, yeah, you, you assume that I'm happy about it. I, I guess I'm kind of indifferent. If you play with fire, you get burned, especially with the FCC. Well, they were playing with fire and then they forgot they were still on fire. They just ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, uh, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Oh, you are going to find us. Oh, crap. But did you see the flyer that they sent out? Oh, no. I saw something where they were kind of mocking the whole thing. Oh, right? my gosh. Oh, yeah, my tell me gosh. about that. Well, I'm going to read it just for those of you who haven't seen the the hilarious. I, I say hilarious, but it's like, uh, well, that was kind of silly because you guys are in trouble. But Hobby King sent out an email and made some posts that says, if you've been reading any industry gossip lately, you will surely have heard about the insane U.S. $2.8 million fine announced by FCC for a handful of naughty products we stopped selling years ago. While we work to reduce this huge fine, we also need to raise funds to pay for it. And aside from selling our kidneys or signing up to COVID-19 vaccination trials, we thought what better way than with an FCC 2.8 mega sale. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wow. But it said years ago. It's like they stopped selling it years ago because that's when you, you know, got in trouble, but you never followed up, you know, so... 
I yeah, don't know. They obviously didn't do what they were supposed to do because the FCC came down <laughs> on them. But I mean, now, it may not. Gosh, you. I mean, think about it. If it was years ago and they would have paid a fine of like five hundred thousand, <laughs> they wouldn't. Be yeah. In this <laughs> also, did they hire somebody from Monty Python to write their ads or something? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right, man. so here's the question I have, and it's a legitimate question because I don't know the answer. But you know, we poke fun at the FAA all the time, and the FAA is generally considered as this huge inept uh, government monstrosity. I get a different feeling about the FCC that they're more on top of their game, and I I wonder if any of the same things that we hear about the FAA can be applied to the FCC here. So, basically, is the FCC right? Or are they bumbling their way through this and the, the fine is not really justified? I don't know. I think I'm going with the FCC on this because the case is, and forgive me, because if you have stupid drone pilots who fly their drones because they're just ignorant, you know, it really is it's their problem. The FAA is trying to stop that. But the FCC caught the Hobby King putting labels on their receivers that said they were FCC certified. And right. they never once attempted to get these things certified because they knew they it would cost them too much or take them too much time, yada, yada. So they just put false stickers on there. I mean, I'm sorry, but if I bought a car and said it, you know, it could use water, <laughs> you know, and I poured water, but I'm just saying they, they, they lied. They, they even falsified records. How's that? So yeah. I think, I think the FCC has a, a, a good grief. Now, I'm hoping this 2.8 might be negotiable if Hobby King just steps up and does the right thing and, you know, negotiates. A, what do you call it? You know, appeal, not appeal, no, not appeal. Just I hope they find a, a middle ground there to get it done. But obviously they need their hand slap. Right. I want to clarify something here. You mentioned stupid drone pilots. That was not a comment saying that you think all drone pilots are stupid. But That's correct. There are, there are stupid ones and smart ones. You're talking about the stupid ones. The stupid ones. Okay, I'm just avoiding some hate mail for you. That's all. No, I, no, I think they you. know who I'm talking about. I do not. Well, shoot, I heard in the news the other day, and I'm not going to stick on it, but uh, they, they're, doing, they're doing these baseball games now with no fans, okay? <laughs> right. But some idiot flew a drone over one of the games. They had to cancel the game. To cancel mm. the game? Yes, because someone was flying a drone. So they, I mean, they may have delayed it for some time, but there was some person who decided, hey, it'll be fun if I can watch the game with my drone. What the heck? <laughs> so, yeah, stupid. Hmm. But I digress. Back to Hobby King. Yes, you yeah. guys did a bad thing. Yes, I do buy batteries from you from time to time and hope you guys stop doing this and, you know, get back to making good products. Wait, okay. what? <laughs> Oh, Terry's head that just does exploded. not compute. Sorry, Terry. <laughs> Get back to making cheap products that, that work for a, some people. I have a couple of lipos that are still standing. Okay. <laughs> they're, not, they're not too squishy yet. <laughs> <laughs> squishy. <laughs> they're only mostly puffy. Uh, yeah. They're only softly puffy. It's just, okay. just a soft puff. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, I think we've shown our ignorance on this one enough. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Um, I'd like to see where it goes. I'd like to see some more details on the actual fine. That would be, for me, be very curious. So. Yeah. It sounds like um, they were just flexing. The FCC was flexing their muscle because they were being ignored or yeah. taunted or whatever. And hey, they, they can do that. And from what I know of the amateur radio community, it, it kind of falls in line with that, that the, the people themselves, the ham operators, 
police themselves. And then when somebody steps out of line, you can expect the hammer to drop on you. Oh, yeah. The handrail guys will drop the hammer quickly and harshly. Yeah, they won't fool around. They so. are just the best self-policing organization. Uh, one of the can best I just ones. say that the, my father was a ham radio operator and he dropped the hammer on me one time? <laughs> <laughs> Were you under your own license or his at the time? I was under my license. Okay. <laughs> my kids know this story. My dad was is a longtime ham radio operator. Or was I'm sorry, he passed away. But he helped operate a repeater here in Houston. And uh, I had just gotten my license mainly because I wanted to fly 50 megahertz. And I was uh, on a job from work and I had put stuff in my car and I was driving away. And as I was getting, you know, near the repeater station, I, I grabbed my microphone, I keyed up and it wouldn't respond. And after a second, I heard my dad chime in and he said he disabled the repeater because of uh, what he said, good time music. <laughs> and I was like, and I, my dad could hear me because I, I had enough power. And I said, what's this about? He goes, well, someone has been broadcasting a, a song. And he mentioned the song. Turns out I put a device, <laughs> I put a box on top of my uh, hand transceiver on the seat. And it keyed up and it was playing my music from my car the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was the guilty party. My dad was like, uh, the good news is my dad thanked me for admitting that it was my fault. <laughs> but uh, you're right. They do, uh, you know, they're listening all the time. They're making sure nothing's going wrong. And that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And I, I don't Will Hobby King fly right after this? No pun intended. Across all spectrums of the, the hobby or the business world? I don't know. Stay tuned and find out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah, I was going to ask you, Fitz. Now, you, yeah, you just made a trip to another state. And before you left, we were wondering if you were going to fit in any RC activities. And you did or did not? Yeah, kind of, sort of. I didn't participate in any RC activities, but I had some obliquely related RC activities. If that makes any sense. Not yet. None at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, well, I, well, yes, I was in South Carolina. I was in the Columbia area, rel- roughly speaking, and uh, taking care of some business. And I have some old friends there. And, uh, in fact, I was staying with an old friend, and he's also a fellow RCer. In fact, that's how I met him. Uh, it, was a, it was a neat story. I was... Um, uh, so my parents decided to, that they had enough of the Northeast and they just decided to move to South Carolina. Um, and after I questioned their sanity, I eventually moved down there with them for a while. I was kind of going in and out of school and, uh, it, it, being an RCer, even at that time, I was in this little town, little, little one horse town. And that horse was rented down, um, looking for somewhere to fly. I had been flying sort of roguely off of some property next to a, a, a company. Um, but I, I was like, is there really any real flying field? Of course, this is the pre-internet day, so there was no way of easy way of looking up RC flying fields other than to go down to the local hobby shop. So I, I went down to the hobby shop at the time in Columbia, and, and I asked um, the person working at the hobby store, the owner, I says, Hey, uh, I'm in this little town. Does, do you know if there's any model flying fields near where I, where I'm staying? And the, the person there says, Oh yeah, that guy right over there, he lives in the same town. 
And uh, just by chance, I happened to meet <laughs> the guy who happened to live in the same town as me who flew models. And uh, we've been really good friends ever since. So it's a... Uh, amazing the friends you make in his hobby he's, he's been an extremely good friend actually and um he's he still flies rc but not as much uh he's gotten to some other hobbies and he's busy with other things but he still has got a bunch of planes and so while i was there he says hey i got this plane this this seaplane that i taxied once on the water and the motor burnt out on it and i gave up on it and i don't want it anymore do you want it and i looked at it and said hey sure but i'm gonna have to mail it back to myself because it was way too big to take on a plane so i can happily say that the plane has arrived here and i think the box looks in good shape so it looks like it's all one piece oh you haven't opened it yet i haven't got a chance to open it i've been so busy with other stuff but the box looked in really good shape do it now everybody's everybody's excited they want to know come on leave it in a corner (laughs) till you forget about it (laughs) christmas yeah I did move it into the garage and stuff so after putting it up. I've just been busy cleaning up and other things. Uh, so it, it's I talked about it before in our live stream. This is an Icon A5 seaplane, but it's not the E-Flight one. It's of dubious heritage. It's a, yeah, it's a dubious. I meant to try to look it up. Uh, it might have been from Hobby Lobby at the time. Huh? Did they sell one? I don't remember that. Hmm. What yeah. an interesting segue. We just talked about Hobby King. No, you said Hobby, Hobby Lobby. Lobby. Oh, Hobby, Lo- Hobby Lobby made an icon? Yeah, I, I don't, don't remember that. I, Me neither. I think that's you a figment to, of your imagination. You'll have to cut this part out, Fitz. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's all verklempt. No, it's staying in. <laughs> it's, I don't even think did, you know where it came from. Did Nitro Hobby or Banana Hobby or one of those places uh, have one back in the day? Could have been them. But there's no identifying information in the airplane or on the airplane? Uh, let's see. Not that I could tell, although I didn't really look at it terribly close. Uh, it's got a opaque canopy. It's all foam. It's got a rather thick rudder. So I dated a girl like that once. <laughs> um. Oh, wait a minute. This might be it. I'm poking around on the internet. I see when it kind of looks like it might be it. EPO Icon A5 Fort Channel. Holy smokes. Tom has... How, how big is a wingspan? Do you know? Uh, It's got to be 40, 50-inch wingspan. See, Tom has one here. He says, I scored one of the 70-inch Icon A5 foamies directly from the factory in China last year before Hobby King started selling it. Wait, he said 70-inch? Yeah, so well, could it be 70? 70. I don't think that's 70 inch. This is back in 2011. There's a picture of Tom holding one. Is it big? He's sure 70? Well, that's the one he's holding. So okay. I, it, it's just going, it, it's proving now that we just thought E-Flight made one. But obviously there are many no. icons out there we're just not aware of. So, so, so maybe I a listener is like screaming at us right now. Yeah, like, we I need know, to host another contest. <laughs> yeah, what is this? Guess, guess Spitz's icon. <laughs> All right. Do you, hey, does it have any specific color? Like, is it black? I'm seeing one here from AliExpress. <laughs> it's got a black tail on it. I think that's mm-hmm. it. It's got a black tail. Oh, okay. Well, here, this is an EPO 13.8, oh, excuse me, 1.3 millimeters, not meters, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's got a, does it have a big black uh, stripe on the wing? I think so. That That's, oh. I, I found a picture too, and it's about, to, it's, the size sounds right. 
but okay. Hey, so I win the contest. Eight oh six, and uh, it's an EPO. Um, but it doesn't say the manufacturer, but it's one one point three eight millimeters. Nah, meters. Excuse me. I'm looking at the chart. Talk about ultra micro. One thousand three hundred and eighty millimeters. There you go. Okay, it's got a lot of decals on it. <laughs> yeah, it's got a bunch of stuff. It's that's probably why it's the motor burnt out on it. It's probably a very low. Uh, I don't have the motor, and I think it took the servos out, so just the airframe, which is okay. I thought it might be fun yeah, to sure. put something in it. It's a seaplane. I don't have too many seaplanes. All right. Uh, well, that'll not, be a fun little project. Yeah, it'll be a neat project. So I'm uh, glad to have that. I, I do. I did have something that was kind of depressing. I wanted to – wherever I go, I like to go to hobby stores. Sure. And uh, there was a really neat hobby store. It was a bit of a drive from where I was staying, but I always went there, and they had closed up. Uh, shop, so they were no longer. They went out of business. They had a, a big RC car track in the back, and it was. Oh uh, man! Yeah, was that uh, a recent thing? I don't know how recent. Maybe a couple of years. I haven't been back several years, so at least hmm. three, four years in that period. And looking in the Columbia area, which is one of the capital city, right? I think of South Carolina is a big city. Sure, there's one hobby store huh. for RC stuff, and it was a hobby town. Uh, yeah. Well, there's and, one in Buffalo. Yeah. And, I mean, not to say anything bad about Hobbytown, but it was, you go in, it was mainly RC cars, some plastic models, and in the back corner was a couple of airplane stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was really, I was like, oh. Uh, so I did go out, to, but they did have, strangely enough, they had a couple of things I had been looking for for a while. Uh, I found a sanding block of all things that I've been meaning looking for for some time, um, and uh, a couple other odd and ends. So <laughs> it's funny how you know you go to you go to these hobby stores, you end up finding something, some oddball thing that you're like, hey, I've been looking for this for a while. Yeah. All right. So congratulations. Yeah, it's always good to go hang out. So so that was my trip. Not a whole lot to, to speak of, uh, other than you know just uh, I did mail myself a plane back. <laughs> <laughs> he was thinning his fleet uh so that's it for me oh man traveling just interesting with all this going on because i flew out there and so basically from the time you step in the airport until the time you step out of the airport you've got to wear a mask so right. in the airport did they lost you when you got to south carolina no no they recommend they didn't have any laws they i looked on the website and it says yeah, if you're coming from out of state we you know It'd be nice if you sort of stayed away from everybody for a week or two, but right. it wasn't a law. But where I was going, it might as well have been sol- uh, confinement because <laughs> it was it was a little town. Uh, although I did go to the hobby store, so yeah, I, I did get out, but that was just a one trip. But yeah, we wore they do mandate you wear masks even in South Carolina in public and and um, going into businesses and such. So, right. anyways, so that was. Nice trip. It was nice to get away for a little while. All right. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. And you returned just in time for the big event. Yes. Mr. Lee Lee had a real big event, didn't he? I I expect Fitz to put a little fanfare, trumpet fanfare. (laughs) (laughs) And now presenting (laughs) Lee's big event. 
the first 3D printed aircraft from the House of Ray. <laughs> so in huge contrast to your other Cessna project, this <laughs> Cessna project was completed on time and dare I say on budget or under in, budget. Uh, in one year. In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one year. Without the peeling uh, paint. I would I would not necessarily say on budget. <laughs> Uh, well, you didn't have a budget, so. There you go. <laughs> the yeah, most he... expensive printed, 3D printed airplane. Yeah. How many history. 3D printers did it take? <laughs> well, luckily I got, I think I got full refunds on my first two printers, so that's good. But I had other, you know, other accessories that are now in the possession of Terry. <laughs> and they're being for. used. <laughs> Yay. Thank so you, there were some, and, and lots of PLA uh, that is some in, in, in landfills right now. Um <laughs> But most of you have hopefully seen it on our Facebook page. If you're if you're not a Facebook uh, follower, then the news is Lee did in fact finish the 3D printed Cessna 337 Skymaster. Yay! Lee. By RC 3D Planes. And wait, it, are you sure that's the name? I thought it was RC 3D Print. Oh darn it! See, it's a bad day. I didn't, you know what? I forgot to bring my my office this morning. Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> thank you by rc by rc 3d print yes sorry sorry jonathan <laughs> he's gonna i'm gonna pay for that <laughs> uh yeah I, I don't know how to go fitz how should i tell this story i mean maybe you should tell it since you were an observer from from the beginning <laughs> let's call morgan freeman he can do it <laughs> in the beginning uh, there was plastic <clears throat> well it, it's you know, you, you, you went through the trials and tribulations, as we've talked about on the show before, about getting this thing printed. You had printers that, that didn't want to print straight or consistently. And that's, so you finally got the thing all printed up uh, in some very interesting colors. <laughs> Eye-popping uh, colors. <laughs> the calm plane. <laughs> so you made some mods yourself. You, you extended the cowl on, one, on the nose. Yes. And you, but you were the only person who would notice. <laughs> Get the calibrated eyeball. Yeah, Fitz was like, "That cow's longer than it should be." <laughs> like, yeah. Now, the, the, of course, the funniest thing is you were having a programming issues for the front oh, and rear yeah. motor. Oh yeah. Well, and uh, I think the funny part was Austin kept trying to. I'll do it for you, Dad. And I was <laughs> like, "Get out of my face, kid!" Go ahead, kid. You bother me. <laughs> well, Fitz was standing there, and Austin goes, "I can do it, Dad. Let me have the transmitter." I was like, "Don't get away. <laughs> Go fly your own plane." Uh, well, Fitz and I were were working together, uh, trying to trying to resolve the part where you don't want the rear motor turning, so it doesn't shave your fingers off when you throw it incorrectly. And I will just say you're welcome to Fitz and my son Austin for figuring out how to do it because both of those tosses were pretty hairy on the fingertips. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think Austin would have lost a finger or two on his toss based on, you know, <laughs> where they went after the uh, after it left his hand. But what we were trying to do is mix the two motors together and to not bore you too much, the end result was we kept trying to program with the front motor in the throttle channel and the aft motor in gear to mix them. But what we ended up doing was it made more sense to put the aft motor in throttle due to the throttle cutoff switch. 
So that was easier to program. So we just, you know, switched the two. They're, they're mixed together. But we would throttle up full throttle on the front motor, which in this case was the gear channel. And once it was released, I would flip the throttle cutoff and the rear motor, the aft motor, would kick in. And that leads us up to the actual, you know, video and the, and the toss. Um, we well, did hold a on. Couple- before you get into that, I oh, I'm sorry. I am duty bound to point out that when you program those mixes in your transmitter, you are no longer no longer allowed to call the channels master and slave. <laughs> I think Fitz calls them Jedi and Padawan. Yes, I, I call them Admiral and Ensign. Okay, good enough. <laughs> so, so in this case, it was interesting. The Admiral was was a rear admiral, <laughs> <laughs> and the Ensign was on deck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but yes, that's hilarious. So you could t- we can save that for another day. That's yeah. good stuff right there. Uh, well, no, we just did a little bit of running. I showed Fitz where I had the CG. I based it upon the CG of another, uh, the Seagull, I believe, 337, looking at where they had it. Um, I felt like he, he had the CG too far back, so I put it where I felt the, a spar would be near the, the, I guess, the apex of the curve on the, on the airfoil. And everything uh, was perfect. Uh, we did a little run toss, and that looked okay. Um, uh, you know, it was, it, we had a lot of people watching. My wife was there. My neighbor, Steve, came over to watch. He took pictures. Fitz wait, was, wait, hold on a second. You calculated the CG or you placed the CG based on the shape of the airfoil? Yes. You know, there's science that'll actually tell there you where it should is, be. There is science, but I'm basing <laughs> it on my experience and that's what worked. Because Fitz, Fitz actually, and I'm going to jump right ahead. When Fitz got to fly it, his response was, I wouldn't change a thing. Look, I'm not saying you didn't get it right. I'm saying you accidentally got it right. I don't think I accidentally got it. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you, Terry? I mean, give me a break. I've seen some of the planes you built. I'm pretty sure those are guesstimates, too, on the CG. Okay, guilty as charged. Um, Or as as Terry says, that'll fly. (laughs) (laughs) Lick your thumb and hold it up to the land. Yep, we're good. (laughs) Anywho, yes, uh, it um, and it wasn't my fault that Austin threw it so cattywampus. And Fitz, did you ever get to slow down that video to look at how he released it? Uh, not really, but it looked pretty hairy when he watching it live. That All thing right, was so, dancing. So, guys, we're recording this right now, and I know you guys really can't, um, you know, know what we're doing. But Fitz, I am sending you a still photo of the release, so you just chime in after you look at your phone and take a look at that shot I just sent you. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's it's one from my wall. I'm going to print that up and put it on my refrigerator in the workshop. <laughs> and then put no <laughs> underneath it. <laughs> now, he rehearsed that launch. You have that in the video. He's I know. And I, don't, it out and... I don't know what he did, but his first launch is his hand was further under the, the you know under the wing. But he uh, ended up putting his left hand where his right hand should have been. And so he chucked it way too far back. Oh, his yeah. hand was behind the leading edge. Yeah, he's like throwing it to the moon. <laughs> to the moon, yeah. No, exactly. Towards the moon. But, <laughs> but not hard enough. Okay. In any case, let's I, I don't want to bore the this is I'm trying to get to the exciting part. So he threw it, it was very scary. I kicked in the aft motor, uh and luckily it recovered. It kind of recovered in a right angle slip. <laughs> this is kinda neat. And uh no, I got it in the air no, at oh. half rock. Oh, no, no, let's go back. It was that oh, launch was more exciting than that. <laughs> it was it was gonna crash. 
I that's what I thought when I it first was, watched it. Until you kicked on that rear motor, it was crashing. You and need to you need to make that video again in slow motion, and then when it hits the apex of the launch, cut to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever you're selling people are going to sit through that commercial and see because yeah. the outcome is so dubious at that point and you know what this is exactly why i shouldn't be telling the story fitz was there he was my cameraman thank you again fitz for coming out to videotape it for me sure. i think his tale his telling of the tale will be way more graphic and exciting than i can <laughs> okay okay well at least i'll do the first part because you actually i was running part. on a I was running on adrenaline you know so, i was like eager to give this thing a go and i wasn't too worried if it was going to crash or I, I kind of just wanted it done, but continue, Fitz. Part two of the Cessna 337. As soon as your son let go of it, it was in such an attitude that I was like, oh, it's, it's we're going on pieces. And then you, <laughs> Fitz was going, we got a crashy smashy video. <laughs> we got a crashy smashy. And then you kicked on that rear motor, and it was like Knight Rider hit the turbo boost. Like Jado. <laughs> like <Yeah>. Jado. <laughs> I like that kit. <laughs> I Ludicrous visualize speed. that when he leads back in the car. <laughs> yes. It went, I mean, it was so much power to play. It was actually flying sideways for a fraction of a second. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you could, but you should did, put a screech, a little skidding noise in there. Yes. It was a triumph of thrust over aerodynamics. <laughs> and thrust it, we trust. Yeah. Because oh, it, 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 it was definitely a kick in the pants. When that rear motor See, kicked in. It I'm so glad Fitz is telling this story better. It's <laughs> way more exciting. <laughs> Yeah, I meant to say this to you, Lee, because when you were talking about programming the rear front and rear motors and all that, I'm like, oh, that seems kind of complex. Why is he going to bother? Why don't you just launch it, power off, and then power up both motors? I think had you tried that technique with this launch, you would have had a pile of parts. But the way you set this up saved the day. So kudos to you. Well, are you suggesting that had the rear motor been running, it would have not taken off? Or, I mean, to me, if I had the rear motor working, I would have hurt Austin. That's no, no I, I would not suggest that. I'm saying he throws it with no motors running, and then once it's clear, you power both up. But I don't think you would have been able to salvage that launch with that method. Oh, I see. Yeah, at least with the one motor, you've got some momentum, some forward thrust. You've got some Oh, uh, I, okay. Control. I misunderstood you. I misunderstood yeah. you. I thought you were complaining that I didn't have both motors running because I wouldn't have been. But you're just saying, had he just thrown it, and then I turned the motors on, right? You would have gone home crying, yes. Oh, (laughs) yes, exactly. I knew I needed power. And in fact, what you don't see is there's a clip of video where I'm holding the aircraft with full throttle and I'm kind of running with it to see how much power it's got. And I could tell it was not enough to keep it flying. If anything, it was enough to keep it like maybe level, you know, into the ground, (laughs) (laughs) but not enough to keep it airborne. And I told Austin that I said, when you, when you let go, you got to make sure you push forward and, you know, push hard. And I, I guess my, uh, directions didn't come across too well and I'm, I'm I was I'll have to say I felt very lucky that with the way he threw it I was able to recover oh yeah you did a good job nice save captain thanks so what was it like the first few moments as it was up in the air actually flying you were I think you hit you had some comments I'm trying to remember exactly what they were but you were a little not she weary. needed power I said she. I, w- I was telling Fitz, and it said, I think it's in the video that she needed power in turns because she was charting to roll and kind of uh, tip stall. If you d- weren't going fast enough, she was just kind of, her tail was kind of sliding, and she wanted to roll down. So as long mm. as she had power, at least half throttle, she flew fine. And in fact, after what about six or seven laps, I was I was having a ball, but I was so nervous because of flying a printed aircraft without a spar. 
with just the prayers of CA holding PLA together. And, you know, the first pass, I was scared to death that it was because of any, you know, it holding in the turn or it was going over people that it was going to just come apart and pieces were going to, you know, fly into, you know, <laughs> into, uh, people would be walking home with PLA stuck out of their chest. But, I, you know, <laughs> um, but it, it flew really well. I got some nice, I didn't do anything fancy. Poor Fitz, he wanted to do some rolls and loops. And I wouldn't let him do it. <laughs> roll. The barrel rolls a 1G oh, maneuver. Yes. So uh, I'll finish my story because I don't want to cut into to, uh, to Fitz's thoughts on flying it. But I will say I was smiling huge after, you know, half of the, of the flight was going in. I felt comfortable as long as she had power. She was good. I knew I had enough battery power. She wasn't I wasn't like knew I had to land. So if it was a 2200, I think I would have been, you know, biting my nails. So, so what she, battery she, did you use? I used a 3300. A 3S 3300? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and you came in under your expected weight, right? We, well, it was 1,700 grams. We said 1,900? <sighs> grams. I think I said 19. I, I did. Okay. Well, okay. I'm using grams because that's how many how stone is that? <laughs> 52 stones. What's and it weigh on the moon? <laughs> Anyway, it flew great. I was pleasantly surprised on the landing, and Fitz can tell you it lands long. <laughs> and that, I mean, I was landing in the video. I had already cut power. Those props were still free spinning. And I was, God, I was so excited after that landing because it was a, you know, I'll pat myself on the back. It was a really nice landing. It Kept was. Kept those wings level. And, mm-hmm. and enough to fly her again. And, uh, God, it was, it was exciting. And I was you know, looking forward to flying it again. So this time I let Fitz fly it. And by the way, Fitz, did I not throw that plane perfectly or what? Yeah, that was a good throw. <laughs> yeah, come on. Give me give me some love because, <laughs> by the way, I ran a little harder than my son. <laughs> and I had more experience throwing. But, uh, you know, I think Fitz had, well, you know, five or ten feet after I threw it before he kicked on the motor. And it oh, was man. Just... Man, was my finger on that motor trigger too. <laughs> <laughs> don't cut Lee's fingers. I think I flipped that switch just before you released it. Or... Oh, did you really? <laughs> no, no. But it wasn't much after you released it. I flipped that switch because I didn't want it. I didn't want that carry launch that you had. So, all right. So now I'm. I guess I can remove the filter. He was being kind to me during during the flying day. So now, Fitz, uh, tell our listeners your experience flying this 3D printed Cessna three three seven. It was very nice. I thought it was a nice flying plane. I think it had just the right amount of power. Um, it was. Not overpowered, but it had moderate, moderately excessive power. Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. Enough. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the power setup you chose was really good for it. Uh, I thought it flew really nice. Um, I, I didn't quite feel that you said it needed power in the turns. I didn't feel as it was really lacking so much. Well, that's that because respect. you were near full throttle. <laughs> no, I, I thought it you were, you were going way faster than I was. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, if it's on stall, yeah, it's going to need more power and turns. Um, I was sorely, sorely disappointed that you wouldn't let me loop it or roll it. <laughs> what do you <laughs> but mean, it's your plane. Let you. He wouldn't let me. Well, it's his plane, so I'll respect his wishes. Who was he holding was, the transmitter? Uh, I know, right? Man. <laughs> Next time, that sucker's doing snap rolls. It did do a snap roll. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, on purpose, <laughs> with a better outcome. Ooh, foreshadowing. <laughs> but I, I actually, I thought it flew really nice. I was, it was a delight to fly. It was, it had a good speed. 
Um, I didn't really notice any particularly bad habits. I think you were a little bit overweight, right? Is that what I, you said, according to... I think you were at 1,900 yeah. and it was supposed to be 1,700. No, no, no. He had it down to 1,100 with the 3S2200. Oh, okay. I can't imagine how he did that. But he's, he also had the 2210 motors. And quite frankly, I think that was underpowering it. Yeah. So I think, you know, what I... I think 1,500 would be better. I'm at 1,700. Okay. And 1,900 was the, the highest I wanted to be. So I feel comfortable with the, the added weight that I've put in there. So, yeah, you're probably... You're roughly a pound more than he was, I think, roughly, back in the napkin calculations. So... But, but, Lee, your homework was to figure out the wing area so I could do my calculations. Did you figure yes, it out? Yes, th- there's okay. wing area. Yes, correct. And <laughs> It has area. <laughs> How many hectares is that? <laughs> How many was my friend says? Cubic it's, hectares? It's, it has it has area, and it's less than an acre. There you go. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, so and it, it maintained his momentum really well in the glide and landing. Better. I mean, no, it was it's a pretty sleek plane, you know, with, with the quote unquote gear up. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty sleek and didn't take a lot of power to fly. I, I thought it's a, um, I thought it was a really pretty big good design. Uh, although one thing I would wish they had was a, a hatch or something for the battery. You have to take the wing off to plug it and unplug it in. Oh. Uh, it really needed something. To, a hatch in the canopy or something like that. So hopefully they'll tweak the design a little bit. That was my only pet peeve with it. All right. Congratulations, Lee. That was, that was your only pet peeve. Yeah. The way you, the way you threw it into the ground made me think you had more pet peeves with it. Oh, there's more to the story. Yeah. There's more to the story. (laughs) Oh no. So Austin launched it and it went well. Lee launched it and it went well. And this then, board is too hot. Dun, <laughs> and I dun, launched dun. It. Third time was not a charm. Lee wanted to fly it again. And he gave me explicit instructions. You know, don't throw it up. Try to throw it level. Don't and feed it after midnight. Don't feed it after midnight. And don't, uh, you know. Don't get it wet. Don't get it wet. Well, apparently I did all three at the same time. <laughs> uh, so I honestly tried to throw it straight and level. But it, it didn't end up going straight and level. It went up and over. And into the ground. And if it had just gone a little further, it, I may have saved that prop shaft. <laughs> so. No, the prop shaft was fine. It was just a spinner, or, right? I haven't, I haven't put the new adopt, uh, adapter on it yet, so we're crossing our fingers. Yeah, I think it's an adapter. It, it so, nosed right in. Do you remember if you were able to hit the turbo boost before it hit the ground? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I was surprised it didn't straighten out because you know, when Austin launched it, it was pretty hairy too. Yeah, but it was already rolling on me. So. Yeah, I think it maybe rolled too much. Maybe I induced some roll in the throw. Um, I think so. I think Fitz's last words were, "Watch this." <laughs> <laughs> well, and hold my beer. Watch this. Well, and and I I'm only letting Fitz say this, but I out of true honesty, Fitz, I'm not blaming you at all. It was it is a difficult plane to hand launch, and you're trying to you know not hurt your friend who's throwing it by not you know running that rear motor. <laughs> so you know, so you're you are in fact throwing it with less power than it probably needs to take off. Mm. But uh, I will just jump to the end. We picked up the pieces. I was very happy it flew. But the whole point or one of the benefits of having a 3D printed aircraft is that you have the machine to print new new parts without having to wait for them to be shipped to you. (laughs) You just have to wait for them to print. And in fact, I have finished printing all the pieces 
of the fuselage. In fact, I actually, just before we started recording, finished the second time I had to print the nose cowl because I printed it wrong <laughs> the last time. I started, I was trying to put it on. I was like, this doesn't fit right. But I realized I did my math wrong. But I have all the pieces. I've got everything back. I, again, need to check the front motor, make sure it, everything is working or I need to get a new prop adapter. But I should be able to fly again this weekend. So well, only the fuselage was damaged? Only the fuselage. Okay. Have you considered this? I would be willing to do it, but um, put on a glove and launch it with both motors running as a uh, test. <laughs> Go ahead, Terry. I, your hand might be okay, but if the prop hits your hand, then that's going to botch the launch too. You're going to shake that airplane to pieces in this a is, millisecond. I, this is all in the name of science. Danger is our and and video. Make sure video. Danger is our business. <laughs> well, I told Lee he should redesign the fuselage with a handle on the bottom, <laughs> like a luggage handle. Be, I think yeah. I'll just do a tow hook. <laughs> or that you can do a bungee launch. Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna act like I do when I had the evader. I'm not worried about hand launching it myself. I wanted the first one hand launch just so I could get the feel of the plane and flying, but I'm going to tell you guys right now, the next launch is going to be by me. Yeah. While you're flying. Yeah. Now, is there any headroom in the motors to get a little more power? You don't know because you didn't put it on a watt meter, right? I did. Okay. I got, I remember I told you, I'd, uh, well, I didn't do oh, that's motor. Right, you did. I yeah. did 40 amps. Um, you know, it sounds like you're pushing the ceiling there. Yeah. They're not very big motors. So 20, 25 amps is about probably all you're going to be able to. I know that's with on those motors. I know that's wide open throttle static. So hmm. in the air, it's less. So I, I'm, these motors are not being. No, overrun. in the air, it's got plenty of power. There's no lack of power in it once it's flying. Yeah. In Did fact, you try I, turning I, off the rear motor while you were flying? No. I mean, we weren't that, we weren't that far yet. We were still, you know. Making sure it was structurally sound. I think you were going to do that on this the next flight. That exactly. Flight that, that, that was going to be the next flight because we yeah. talked yeah. about it. And even nope. a roll. I was even going to think about doing a very slow roll, mm. which I think it would do pretty darn quickly, judging by how well she was banking. You know, into turns. I think it would be cool if you could set up your mix <clears throat> where you could turn off either the front or the rear. Hmm. You know, I remember a big discussion on this on the real one, and it, it was known that. It flew much better. If you had to lose a motor, the front one was the one you wanted to lose, as the rear one was the more critical motor. It flew much more efficiently with the rear motor running than just the front motor running. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's funny you say that, Vince, because I was watching a YouTube video the other day on 337s, and yeah. the, uh, the commentator was saying, uh, a lot of Cessna 337 crashes occurred when the pilot would only take off with the front motor because he forgot to turn the rear one on. <laughs> 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 yeah i wonder how you could do that i heard the real ones are loud inside when you got well, both i guess running. i guess if you see the big one in front running and the plane's already vibrating yeah and, and, <laughs> yeah. and you're just used to like a cessna 172 you may forget there's another one back there yeah but uh, no. no we we oh and we haven't even mentioned it but for the <laughs> and i'm apologizing uh, Austin wanted to chase it with his quad racer in the first flight. And unfortunately in the video, that's all you hear. But when Fitz was flying, Austin was flying, I think, a Sea Duck somewhere else. So we actually got to hear the plane this time. And yeah. it sounds cool. It does. It's got a neat huh. sound to it. Cool. Yeah. So I guess I'm, I... 
Oh, go ahead, Fitz. Well, I was going to slight tangent is that I guess I had a, a habit of throwing planes into the ground because I threw my glider into the ground <laughs> earlier <true>. today. <laughs> yeah, that was true. I should have stopped right there. What was I thinking? <laughs> Fitz can't throw this. <laughs> well, I think I've solved that mystery already because when Lee talks about his 337, he calls the airplane she. She did this. She came through beautifully. She landed great. Oh, Fitz, when you talk about that airplane or the others, they are inanimate objects. It's the yes, airplane. Because they so are. So Lee has a, a more personal connection. She didn't like the way you were holding her, Fitz. Oh, right. You offended her somehow. It's a mechanism. <laughs> you did not have consent. <laughs> to touch her belly. Does that show me on a plane where he touched you? <laughs> right. Show me on a fuselage. So uh, well, take sorry. that to heart from now on. Well, well I'm going to wrap up the. Much. I'm going to wrap up the three three seven because uh, we did have a fun day that day. Uh, the three three seven flew. I'm very happy. I'm fixing the fuselage. I'm hoping to fly again this weekend. We'll see. My son turns sixteen uh, Sunday, and he actually said, "Dad, for my birthday, I'd like to go fly with you." Hey, that's All a right. good wish. That's just not a touchy-feely. Oh, and it gets even better. So, Fitz, if you're free Sunday, this kid wants to do the in-air refuel again. Ah. Would ah. you like to participate in that? Uh, let me see if I can. The wife was asking me about something on Sunday, so I can't say yes or no. Do you have a tanker? Uh, yeah, his, uh, his uh, not the Sea Duck, uh, the, uh, the Guinea. Oh, right, right, okay. We used the guinea <clears throat> at best on that Sunday. And so, excuse me about it, I just hit my microphone. So we he wants to try that, and I just need to find a way to throw in a micro servo for a rudder, because that's all I needed on the F-18 to get it to work. That was That's the one thing I was missing. Yeah. We, were, we were close, but I think a rudder would solve it. Okay, but before you leave the 337, I have a oh. question. So... Having experienced a crash with it now, do you think the damage is comparable to a conventionally built airplane? I'm going to say no, but here's my response. It's different. When it crashed and Fitz and I were picking up the pieces, I didn't think about how I was going to repair it. The first thing to mind was, all right, what pieces do I have to reprint? Right, and here's the joy of that. I already have the STL files, and I've already saved most of the profiles I used in Cura to get them to come out fairly, you know, relatively nice. So all it is is time, and that's okay with me because obviously I didn't paint it, and I wasn't picky about what color PLA I was using. Yeah, that's my next question, but keep going. <laughs> so the answer is once I realized it was just a fuselage, I didn't have any concerns whatsoever. I just knew I was going to reprint it and I I'm done, you know, and I think that's great because I don't have to sit there with balsa and epoxy and popsicle sticks and yada, yada and covering. And not that I'm going to make this my life. Don't get me wrong. This is, a, uh, you know, I want to say this is my only 3d plane. I might have a couple, but you know, I still like traditional building, but it's nice that I'm already ready to go fly again. Hmm. Huh. Well, I, my untrained observation is that if that wing survived a botched launch into the ground, it's going to do okay with a roll or a loop. And I plan to do that. Okay, good. I'm, and, and hopefully have video on it. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. it'll be spectacular. <laughs> my next question is not related only to the 337, but it relates to the 337 
your modified twin otter, and Austin Sea Duck. What do those three airplanes have in common? Besides twins? Besides that. No gear? Aesthetically. No gear? No canopies. Why have okay. you not been painting canopies on your airplanes? And is this a <laughs> new thing that all... Is Charles Lindbergh going to fly all of your airplanes now? <laughs> well, I don't understand. The the Twin Otter came with decals. Yeah. What's your point? Well, you didn't put them on. No, I'm I just... took I took them off. Okay, well, whatever. You're. It seems like you're anti-canopy now, or anti-window, whatever you want to call it. I think it's window you're trying to get at, not canopy, because they have canopies. They're just covered up. And sorry to say that they don't make a clear PLA that goes right over the, you know, that prints while you're printing the 337. I don't have a dual extruder. I know that's still in prototype stage, but are you planning to paint that area at some point to make it look like fake windows? (laughs) But this is where I like Fitz will chime in. The last thing I wanted to put on this plane was anything black. Oh, yeah, sure. But you could use silver or baby blue or something. And it's early. You don't want to spend a bunch of time at painting and do y'all hear that folks plane. i spent all this time trying to get this thing printed and flying and he terry here is worried about me painting canopies no it's only because it looks like a trend i your am last, going to go get a picture of terry and was stick him in one of my windows your last three airplanes <laughs> and on one of them you admitted you took the stickers off it had stickers because, and you removed them yeah. so because I'm i was did. just oh. checking in on you because i was going to redo them so you can't get on me about austin so that's you can't Say sea duck. Uh, the or apple don't fall fall from the tree. Uh, ba, 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 ba. I have other canopies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And in so... fact, I painted I painted the the canopies on my 150 right away, and then of course that's what failed miserably with my paint job. That sort of crap. So, <laughs> so you were maybe... scared to paint them. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so you got a phobia. That that's was... what it is. Yeah. Okay, it's now we're me. getting down. Yeah. To <laughs> you had a bad experience as childhood with canopies. You've All had right. a breakthrough. So three... Three three seven's done. I'll draw you. I'll draw a little smiley face on the next flight for you. Okay. Thank uh, you. But Terry, uh, Terry, but Fitz brought his P fifty one, and let me fly it. That was awesome. Thank you. And Fitz the also great. E flight P fifty one, the new one you just reviewed. Yeah, the big one point five meter, sixty yeah. inch span. Yeah. And then he he grac- graciously provided us with an awesome uh, like viral photo that it's making the rounds on the internet of his uh, <laughs> uh, grass and go. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised how much traffic that got. So this yeah. was not an optical illusion. You weren't coming in for a belly landing and that Lee just happened to catch. You were actually doing a low pass that scraped the bottom intake. Yeah, it made a sound. It went... <laughs> <laughs> did you see did you see the other picture i posted terry of uh, the sequence no yeah go to facebook i posted a, the sequence of uh, one two three four five six seven images i spliced uh, together of the touch and go did you see it fits yeah i did i saw that yeah that was nice okay yeah so you can go look at it terry Okay, I saw yeah. the sequence you did of the twin otter doing a flat spin. Yeah. That, was cool. that was, by the way, that was Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, you know, I com- I'm sorry. That's the one I should be talking about. Forget the P51 for a second. Let's talk about the otter. The other one. I loved, loved, loved Fitz flying the otter because several times he said "wee." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he was having a ball with that, and unless he's lying to me, but and because I was standing right next to him, you know, no pressure. 
But I mean, I saw him doing crazy stuff, inverted the flat spin. You know, I I think he was. Uh, I think I got Fitz's seal of approval on my Otter mods. Yeah, right. you've done good. You've done good on it. <laughs> so you know, speaking of like finally achieving things, I said I did. I completed the three D printed plane, and I did the mods to the Otter when we first talked about it on our show. All right. Yeah, that was a, a good breakthrough for you. So, what have you done lately except build a plywood airplane? That, that wasn't lately. That was months <laughs> ago. And I yeah. I'm kidding. I was being sarcastic. So. Sorry. I deserve it. I've been picking on you. No. I'm <laughs> uh, but yeah, Fitz brought that mini uh, bird of time. Mm, right. Right. Talk about that, Fitz. Yeah, because somebody said they were bringing a bungee launch and reneged <laughs> on their offer. this suddenly slapped me in the face. <laughs> Jeez. So, oh, God. yeah, so did I tell you a story how I got that? Uh, you no. said you found it at a swap meet, right? Yeah, it was at a swap meet. Uh, it was our, our own swap meet for our own club, the JSC club. And there was a guy there who had a bunch of gliders. And he he liked one of the planes I was selling, one of my little foamy plane. It wasn't really a big deal. And he said, well, hey, I'll, I'll trade you one of my gliders for that plane. And I said, um, Okay. And he had a he had some nice gliders. I mean, he had some stuff that was worth way more uh, than the plane I was willing to trade him for. And I even told him that. He goes, "Yeah, I know, but I'm just trying to get rid of some of these planes." And so I, you know, I was looking over some a nice fiberglassy looking thing. Then I saw that little bird of time sitting over there, and I thought, you know what? I kind of like that. It's small. <laughs> it's you know, I'm it's picturing a, the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. All yeah, these aluminum fancy trees over here, and then. You got the sad little plane over there. And it, it, it's all wood. It's obviously built by somebody. I don't know if it's scratch built or built by a kit. Uh, and, it, and it's you know it's it's a little rough around the edges, but it had it had a character to it. So I I, I picked that one. Did and you say I, a mini bird of time? I guess because all the bird of times I know are big. But Lee yeah. says he's seen small ones, and it's the first time I've seen a small one like this. It's only like a what would you say, fifty inch wingspan, maybe? Yeah. Oh, that sounds like fifty percent. I've got the bird of time arf. And I think it's 110 inch. So yeah, no, yeah. this was small. This was definitely meant as a hand launch or a bungee launch because it's got a finger hole in the bottom, or and it's got a little tow hook on the bottom as well, like the 337 should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little finger hole. <laughs> I'm not putting uh, a finger hole there. <laughs> so, so when Lee asked me to come up and videotape his 337, and he said he was going to bring the bungee launcher, I figured, oh wait a minute, let me. See if about getting this bird of time ready to fly because I haven't flown it. I just just sat on the shelf, and it needed some servos stuck in it. So that night, before I went up, I threw a couple of mini servos in there, make sure it could bounce right, and set it up. But I had never flown it before, so I kind of guessed where the I made an educated guess where the CG was, and it, and top it's of the airfoil, obviously. Yeah, top of the airfoil, uh, and I should note that it has one elevator on one side. It doesn't have a Split elevator for some reason. On purpose? I have no idea. That's how I got it. No, it, okay. yes, it is on purpose because the other stabilizer is fl- uh, flush. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's on pur- the builder did it on purpose. I don't know if he just got lazy or supposed to be that by design. I don't know. Uh, airplanes have to be perfectly symmetrical or they will not fly. No, I have another plane with only one elevator, so it works. Uh, and I did that on purpose. Oh. Ah, <laughs> okay. I got it. So anyways, uh, I went out while Lee was getting his thing ready or between flights or something. I went out to the field. It was a pretty nice day, actually, for gliders, I think. And I uh, I gave it a light toss just to see you know, to see if it did anything weird. And it went 
it flew real nice. It just flew straight and level, and um, it needed a little bit more throws on some on the elevator, but other than that, it seemed just fine. Didn't do anything weird. So I said, huh, oh, well, that seems fine. Let me throw it a little harder this next flight. And apparently throwing a little harder meant I threw it really harder because it went <laughs> straight up, stalled, and went straight down. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. here's the question. Was this before or after the 337 Dimage? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it was before. Uh, so I was like, well, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> uh, fortunately, it didn't, wasn't damaged very much. Um, it popped off the rear uh, wing mount plate. Uh, when it did that, it didn't damage anything else. Unfortunately, um, I, I really had some glue that I borrowed and I, I did a field fix. And I, at that point, I programmed in some down, uh, trim on a switch. So basically, I have a launch switch for it. Okay. And so after the lighter tosses and fiddling around with that, I finally got it pretty much dialed in. So I can, I can heave it pretty heavy, pretty hard now, and it won't go straight up and uh, into the stratosphere uh, but so that little but once it was up i actually was able to work a little bit of lift from a moderate launch i can tell that it uh it'll do pretty good finding thermals once i get it up to some altitude but cool uh, but it was getting pretty hot so i wasn't too inclined to be throwing it around too much all right hey, congratulations yeah yeah now, is that a two-channel airplane yes okay well i didn't know if i had spoilers or no no it's real simple Okay. So Fitz, let's see, you flew the 337, you flew your glider, you flew your P-51, you flew your Habu, not your Habu, your... Um, Avanti. 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 And then you flew Austin Sea Duck. I flew a Sea Duck. Your son was nice enough to let me fly his Sea Duck. And that's a nice flying plane. It's It's got his quirks, but it's a surprise how well it handled. So for yeah, those who don't know what a Sea Duck is, what is oh, it? Oh, well, it's what a flight test. I was just going to say, see, I wouldn't let... Fits roll or loop my plane, but the first thing he does on the sea duck is he flies it inverted. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because he didn't ask Austin or Austin didn't warn him. If you don't ask, you can't say no. <laughs> it, it was it better to ask forgiveness than permission. Permission, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, because you have that little, you should say, mention that you have your little seaplane pod at your field. Yeah. Or, um, I, very muddy or mud hole seaplane <laughs> mud hole <laughs> exactly well it was good enough to fly off and it was, it was fun doing some touch and goes out the water with the thing and was that uh, your one wingtip landing that i got or was that austin's i think that was austin's okay was it yeah. intentional i don't well, know sure it's a good photo <laughs> i don't think it was yeah, intentional he, just the way he it 3d is. printed those uh pontoons I don't remember where he got him. I may have been on Thingiverse, and he changed him up a bit. But, yeah, they... That played his character, because he's got the 3D printed pontoons, some 3D printed cowlings, and he's got some tank, futuristic tank um, turret on the top that he uses as a handle to open up the the, the hatch. hatch. Oh, I yeah. didn't notice that. I'll have to look yeah. at the photos again. Look at the photos closely on the top of the hatch. It looked like it may have been something like one of those Warhammer um, uh, tabletop games or something. It was sort of a weird retro futuristic steampunkish turret kind of looking thing oh cool and he said he found yeah, i told him i told him i said just make a little bitty grip that you can get and the next thing i know he prints that thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna sum up well not sum up just come to a, a story here now that i've got my 
printer kind of dialed in and I'm able to do this, I can, and, and after talking with Chris Wolf, cause I know he prints a lot of 3d stuff or, mm. you know, scale replica stuff, man, I, it's really opened up some doors for me to build other parts for my airplanes. And I'm looking forward to that, you know, building some other like reinforcement parts or, or, you know, or canopies. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I told you. I told you. So, Once you start using that thing, you'll find all kinds of neat uses for it. Yeah, like the the last thing I'm going to mention uh, that I just finished printing, and this is for Fitz. You remember that airboat that I printed? The little tiny airboat? Uh, yeah, what are you talking about? I don't think I ever saw it. Go ahead. Maybe Terry, it. Terry yeah. you saw the little black airboat, right? Yeah, yeah I'm one. waiting for you to report on it. Well, I don't have to report anymore. I just printed the full-size one. Ooh. Ah. Two days <laughs> for the two halves. They don't quite slide together yet, but I will go in the workshop. But I just finished printing a 3D RC boat, and I'm going to bring that to the next flotilla of fun whenever Fitz has it. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I'm going to have another one. How big is the full-size version? Oh, my gosh. It's probably two and a half feet long. Oh, my gosh. Maybe, maybe. That is yeah. big. Wow, that's and big. A, is it yeah. a front and a rear half? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. What kind of power? Oh, I'll just put a 400 size motor on it. All right. I look Pretty forward fun. to seeing that. I'll, I'll post some photos when I get it when I get it glued together. So yeah, I I built another RC thing. So yay! You did it. Yeah, yes. All right. I have C dot <laughs> questions. Yeah, oh, go ahead. okay. So one of the things I noticed in looking at the photos, which by the way, Lee, those were excellent photos of the C duck. And let me add to that, that the series of photos you took that whole day, the P-51 on the grass, the Avanti on the grass, the, all the stuff you did from that day is great. And I'm glad you picked up the camera again, because I think you've been flying several times recently where you didn't take the camera. And I miss having these quality photos. Well, then I'll have to thank Fitz for getting on the sticks so I could photograph my own plane. <laughs> thank you, Fitz. Thank you, Lee. All right. So back to questions about the Sea Deck. It looks like you use like flex seal or whatever tape on the bottom of it. Yes. Is it necessary you to waterproof don't talk, it? Don't say me. This is all Austin. I well, have nothing. <laughs> There's only one mod I did to his plane, and I'll see if you can find it. But uh, yes, he used flex tape. Is it working? Not at all. Is that plane sucking up water like a sponge? Absolutely. <laughs> so was that a fix after an initial leak check, or did he do it that way from the beginning? He did it that way from the beginning. Okay. I've never used that stuff before, but it seems kind of rubbery. Is that the case? Yes. So he can't slide off grass. He could. He does. Oh, really? Okay. It's There's very not... slick stuff. Oh, okay. I'm just imagining uh, like gaff tape or something that just... Oh, no. It's it's slick. It's very okay. slippery. All right. Well, that's good. But it still leaks, huh? That The commercial oh, yeah. does not show leaks. There's a, I don't know if you guys can pull it up and if you're listening to the show, and this is hard, but if you go to our Facebook page and we have the photos listed, there's one of the plane sitting in the water, moving uh, right to left, and the tail is sitting in the water, if you see that photo. I don't know if you guys can pull it up, but what I want to point out is if you guys can see it, <laughs> and this is a mod we made, and I'm. it's kind of like me picking the CG point, <laughs> you know, I did it because of experience and so forth. But the first flight he had on that sea duck, that sucker nosed up violently. And if you remember me talking about the 337 video, uh, the, the, 
the demo flight, the maiden flight that John had on it, the gentleman who who designed it, uh, it also went out violently. Well, we did a ruler test to check the air, the bottom of the wing to line it up with the elevator, and it was just way too low. The The horizontal stab was pointing down, so it uh, had a lot of up incidents already built oh, in. Oh, the decalage. The decalage, there you go. So if you look closely, we sliced the booms <clears throat> at the bottom. We took a wedge out, and we tilted the booms downward. Interesting. And that thing flies. I mean, obviously, you didn't know fits, and it flew great for you, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. So we had to fix the incidents by trimming the booms. Well, I fixed the incidents on the 337. I may not have – I think I told you guys this in the story, but uh, – and Fitz obviously didn't know. But I changed the same feature on the 337 by taking the horizontal stab and pointing it up by four millimeters huh. from the position that he had it. Because I did another ruler test, and I could just tell that there was just too much, I say, down or up incidence. And so that really? just that's kind of neat about the fix he made on that boom. So it might be why the tail's dipping in the water a bit. <laughs> uh, but it flies great. And I'll obviously say when, when Fitz was inverted, it didn't have any weird tendencies. Huh. <laughs> Looks like he was going to come down low on the water. <laughs> <laughs> Does it float upside down too? <laughs> For a little while. But it is a, he is very excited. He built that in two days. Uh, he loves it. And, you know, that and his Guinea are two of his favorite aircraft. Oh. Well, he's done well with them. Yes. And those cows look good on it, don't they? Yeah, they do. So is that something you just pulled off Thingiverse? Yep. All right. Is there nothing you can't find on Thingiverse? Find some cool stuff. Almost. There's a lot of neat stuff on there, yep. So a listener sent us a message. Daniel Goes asks, <laughs> how's that? <laughs> I would do that one for <laughs> Daniel Goes asks, what shop tools do all of you suggest for things as simple as someone that works on ARFs or even the full-blown kit builder? Hmm. I so think I, I wrote use? an article about this a few years ago. Like kind of uh, RC 101 type thing. It was untested, right? Yeah. I'm trying to remember what I said on there. <laughs> All of them. Well, well, yeah. while Terry thinks about it, Fitz, can you throw out one or two tools that you recommend? Tools? Oh, well, screwdrivers. Screwdrivers, X-Acto knife. And I should add pliers. to that, if, if you're doing RC cars, you should get Japanese industrial screwdrivers. That's a good point, especially uh, the Phillips is not the same for uh, the U.S. and the Japanese Yep. Well, I, I would also even go further to say you need a set of jeweler screwdrivers. Mm, yeah. Right. You need a really good set of screwdrivers. Jewelers, uh, a larger set. You know, I have a – at a fly-in, some vendor had a couple of uh, – I bought a Phillips and a regular flathead. And there must have been like a foot-long screwdriver, real long and narrow. And I'll be dang if those haven't been some of the most useful pair of screwdrivers I've, I've picked up recently. Huh. Cool. Yeah, it's got and, a real long, but maybe a ten inch extension or something like that, eight or ten inches. And I think we should add uh, some good quality Allen wrenches as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Preferably ball end. Yeah. I have a pair. Uh, just uh, I'm talking about screwdrivers. Um, besides my Exolite tools that I have, the oh, Weha. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Weha is a, I think it's I, German. I've said a Weha, but I, I really don't know the correct pronunciation. Okay, I I like those. And they make them for, I mean, from jewelers all the way up. And I use those a lot, especially the uh, the Phillips. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, I've got a fair share of cheap tools that I've either bought or have been passed down or stolen or whatever, but I have never regretted spending the money on quality tools. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, uh, gosh, I don't know the brand, but I have a, I paid extra after about a couple of years of having the cheap brands, but of flush cutters. So oh, I finally, yeah. well, I don't know if maybe I was with Fitz that day when we went to Fry's. And yeah, it was kind of like a Weeha brand or something like that. But I bought a, I mean, it, was, it must have been 30 bucks for these flush cutters. Mm-hmm. But boy, I use them all the time. And those are really nice to have. You walk in the shop, your kids are cutting yeah, paper are. clips with them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. you, I no. stuck them in Austin's face. No, no, don't you dare use these. <laughs> now, now, that said, a good set of heavy duty die cutters is good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Some big ones. I use those a lot for cutting, you know, con- um, control rod or something like that. You know, ones that you can yeah. like cut through an eighth inch steel. You know. Yeah, I have Lyman pliers to do that. Yeah. Oh, right. So, so all right. So, so let's summarize. We got wire cutters. Wire uh, cutters of various sizes. Screwdrivers of all shapes and sizes. Yes. Allen wrenches of and all shapes and sizes. Not the freebie L-shaped Allen wrenches that you get with everything. Those just no. strip. Um. Gosh. I have another one. Go ahead. This this is the one I, I was going to start with, but I liked what y'all guys were talking about. I have a about six different stainless steel rulers of various sizes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have like two small six-inch rulers and a couple of 12, ones that actually will be longer. And then I have a nice right angle that has both measurements on both sides, both in on the outer edge and the inside edge, which really helps me a lot when I'm fine-tuning measurements. So... Um, but stainless steel flat, they're great for cutting lines. So even if you need to measure, but a stainless steel blade uh, edge, excuse me, is, is a must. You know, yeah. something I use a lot, and I actually I three printed it. I found one on Thingiverse, and that's a control angle. Um, I don't know what you want to call this thing. Uh, indicator. So when you set up your ailerons, elevator, it says oh, like it a throw be, meter. A throw meter, yeah. Okay. I found one, yeah, a, adjustable one on Thingiverse that I actually 3D printed. So when you're setting up your controls, you know it's 10 millimeters up, 2 millimeters down, whatever. Okay. Yeah, there's off the shelf ones too that are not oh, too yeah, expensive. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess Something Great like Planes that. used to make it. I don't know if they still do, but yeah. That's, I found it's very useful. I pretty much use it on all my planes whenever I'm setting things up. Mm-hmm. Some type of deflection meter. Yeah, there you go. Whether you make it yourself or you buy one off the shelf, it doesn't matter. It's something to have something. It makes life a lot easier than trying to use a ruler and holding it up and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Right. Well, I'll add one more, and it's a tool that I use all the time. And there's two options um, either Z Bend pliers or the Dubro wire bender. They both do kind of the same job. The wire bender is a little bit more versatile because you don't have to do a Z Bend or a specific angle. But I like Z-bends on my control rods, so I end up bending them a lot. And I, for years, tried to use needle-nose pliers, and it just doesn't work. You can never get that 90-degree bend in it. Really? I'm actually yeah. pretty good at using needle-nose pliers to do that. Well, you're more talented than I am. <laughs> <laughs> then, but we need to find out what brand Fitz has, because those <laughs> are a magic pair. Yeah. <laughs> I got one thing. It's not really a tool, but it comes in real handy, uh, especially with ARPs, is... Go get a box of various size screws, especially metric oh, stuff. Yeah. Screws and nuts. Uh, just, you'll get two millimeter, three millimeter, four millimeter lock nuts, washers. Uh, I, that's come in handy so many times where I needed to 
put something in or I've lost a screw or something like that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a tool, but it's something really handy to have, especially if you're doing a lot of ARF stuff. Yeah, I'm horrible. Before I throw out any electronics or a crashed airplane or anything, I salvage all the screws. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've got a, a stash of metric stuff and some standard stuff. Mm. So you can go that route or there's actually companies that sell screw assortments. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, my last one. Go ahead. I've been using these for a long time, but I like having the adhesive back sandpaper and Great Plains was, you know, my go-to. I don't know if they're still going to make it or if it's still just, you know, old stock. But, you know, once I got my hand on one of those easy touch hand sanders, those mm. flat sanders and that, yep. that's the way I sand all the time now. Mainly, uh, I mean, I do have the the standard, I guess it's six inch. My 12 inch is missing. But the, the, the thing I like about the sandpaper is that I often will buy popsicle sticks both the, the thin and the wide and put the various sandpapers on those and just write the number on the stick for really tight spots and i i mean i was doing it for the 337 when i was making um, fixes on the pla you know rough mm -hmm. edges so the adhesive back sandpaper if you get your hands on it and if you find a, an easy touch hand sander you know an old great plains one uh grab it Oh, interesting. I've got the aluminum part, the, the handle part of the sanders, but I've always taken normal sandpaper and cut it to the right dimensions and then sprayed it with what with 3M77 adhesive or whatever the modern version of that is. And that seems to work well enough. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess you could find any kind of aluminum, you know, like tubing or something you could do for, for rounded edges and stuff. But, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I mean, I just know I'm always looking for those rolls and I, I hope I can keep them in stock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there are other places that sell it, but I think the Great Plains has probably been the best. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, there you yeah. go. All right. And I think the last thing you need is entertainment like this show. Hmm. So you can sit in your workshop and... Get distracted. Yes. <laughs> and yell at all the things that we say that are incorrect. Yes. There yeah. you go. <laughs> it would be complete. If you would like us to apologize to you directly on the show, <laughs> whoever sends the, the correct answers in first, we will apologize to you on the show. <laughs> Have we ever had to issue an apology? I think we've done uh, some retractions I before. I think we had to apologize to Gary a couple of times. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Uh, Gary so, Wright. <laughs> Gary Wright, yeah. So Just because we said something so incredibly dumb. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say the answer is absolutely yes. <laughs> so. If we haven't, we should have. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, if you're listening, we, we apologize proactively. Yeah. Uh, to anybody who's ever listened to this show, we're sorry. <laughs> well, I don't need to be in that I'm way. Sorry. We're sorry if we said something wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. not sorry for the show. So sorry. Well, I'm sure we've said something that's captured everyone. So. Sooner or later, we'll get them all. <laughs> that was not our intent. We're apologizing in advance. <laughs> all right. Well, I had fun chatting with you guys. Guys, this was our longest show ever, unless uh, Fitz edits it, edits it down to 30 minutes. No, I think not my 337. No. Are you <laughs> Power sure? of editing. <laughs> it's all yeah, but who's again. keeping track? That's true. It is what it is. If it flows, yeah. it flows. We get paid by the minute, right? <laughs> Yeah, and negative amounts of dollars. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah, cut we it out. Do, we do it for you, guys. No, we don't. We do it for us. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. What was I thinking? Yeah, we do it for us. You're just along for the ride. 
I say we stop torturing. I say we stop torturing these poor guys. They have to. They need a break before they have to listen to us again in a week or two. I oh. need a break. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. I need a break. <laughs> pleasure, you need a break from me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take us home, Fitz. All yeah, right. Cut the red wire. Uh, or the blue wire. Uh, I can never remember. I don't know. What if you're colorblind? <laughs> there was a gag on the Family Guy where the dog, they had. The kid, <laughs> the dog needed to cut a wire for the bomb. The right. kids like say, "Cut the blue wire." The dog's like, "I'm colorblind." <laughs> All right, enough of that. We've tortured you enough. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the RC Roundtable, and uh, thank you for listening. And we will see you next time, hopefully with uh, more Lee's adventures of a fully in. And wholly intact, uh, intact. Three three seven. Three three seven. Yes, the V two. And I'm gonna go after this. Go work on some of my planes as well. So, guys, any last thoughts before we leave out of here? Good enough for me. See ya. See ya. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions, or listen to our other great podcasts where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.